It is so good to have you here with us this morning. Man, we really do have visitors from everywhere. KZN, Mickey from uh, the Netherlands, CMA Netherlands. We've got folks from the Vault Triangle, I can see. But they also came a heck of far. Welcome. <laughs> um, but yeah, just to all our visitors this morning, welcome. It's great to have you here. Even if I haven't mentioned you here this morning, it's great to have you here with us. So welcome, and we look forward to what God's going to do in all of our lives this morning. Amen. All right. If you are visiting with us, if, you, if you're a regular, you know we, we're busy with a series called Back to Basics. If you're visiting with us and you've missed out on some of the stuff... <coughs> And I want to encourage you, hop onto our podcast, um, your favorite podcast app, hop on there, search Bikers Church Midrand, and go and get the last two weeks' messages. It'll really speak into what we're saying this week. Um, if you think that a podcast sounds more like an alien invasion and therefore not so inclined to go and find that, but you'd actually like to hear it, please connect with our guys at the info desk. They'll help you get tech savvy in a heartbeat and help you out. Um, I'm not tech savvy and they help me, so I know that there is hope. All right. As I said, we're busy with this with a series called Back to Basics. <clears throat> and essentially within this series, we are really just talking about getting back to basics and looking into um, principles for successful living. Now, all of us, I know, would love to live lives that are ultimately successful. Where do we find these principles? We find them in Exodus 20. They're called the Ten Commandments. Um, now, many people still see the Ten Commandments as this list of rules and regulations, but I believe that there are so much more. I do believe that there are exactly that, principles for successful living. Um, I believe that it is God's blueprint for a great life. I honestly do. For a great marriage for a great workplace, for a great society, if we obey it. So, I firmly believe that God does not give us the Ten Commandments to ruin our day. I believe He doesn't give us the Ten Commandments to, to try and have a hold on us. Uh, whenever I think of, of God's Word and, and, and what He puts in His Word and what He, <clears throat> what he says in His Word and, 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 and His commandments to us, I shared the story a couple of weeks ago, but it's exactly what I think of is my son, whenever he rides with me, he, he like becomes a different child. He just goes nuts. And when we stop, he starts explaining everything on the bike to me like I didn't know, you know, and like he does. <laughs> um, but nevertheless, he does. He starts explaining everything to me in a language I still don't understand. I'm still hoping for the interpretation one day. But as he's talking through it, you know, he'll point to stuff and, and talk. And, you know, when you get off a motorcycle, things are hot. Things are really hot on the motorcycle. So I don't want him to touch the motorcycle. So I say to him, hey, my boy, don't touch. How cruel am I? How mean am I to him? No. Am, am I wanting to ruin his day? Am I trying to spoil his fun? Not at all. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to protect him. I'm trying to keep him safe. I'm trying to make sure that he's going to enjoy his day and not walk around with some bandage around showing everyone shushu. You know? Like there's more things to life than that. But yet when we talk about these principles, I believe that it is exactly that that's God's heart for you and for me when it comes to his word. God says, if you follow my commands, blessing will 
follow. It was in Psalm 34 verse 10 um, it, where he says a whole heap of stuff. And then right at the end, he says, yeah, he says, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And I think so often we think of successful living, we, we think of the financial aspects to it. And I, I, I sometimes cringe to think that we can be so short-sighted because life is far more than just money. Isn't that the truth? I know many very wealthy, very unhappy people. Um, so it proves to me that life is far more than just money. When we talk about success, we really talk about when we look at our families, what's going on? When we look at our workplace, what's going on? When we look at our lives, is there contentment within our lives? I believe when we live lives that are content, that speak into the lives of others and, and that really speak of the goodness of God, I believe that we are living exceptionally successful lives. All right. So if you're wondering about the relevance, Old Testament, New Testament, all that, please go to week one. Go have a listen to it on the podcast. It'll fill you in completely. Uh, something that I, I need to pop in here is that so often when it comes to between the Old Testament and the New Testament, in the New Testament, we have this thing called grace. Um, and, and so often we think that, that grace is kind of this, this space for us to sin longer. Isn't that the truth? It's like, it's awesome. You know, we've got this space to sin longer. No. In fact, God, God actually uses grace as a platform, as a, as a time period to get us longer time to repent. That's really his heart there. He's going, I love you so much. I'm going to expand this time period for you to be able to repent and, and, and really surrender these things to me. Um, it was Jesus who said it in the book of Luke 13, verse 3. He said, unless you repent, you too will die. Um, God still requires repentance to this day. Uh, and if we don't, then the, the penalty of that is death. All right, so ultimately we have been saved by grace alone through Faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. Amen. I thought that was very cool. All right, so right in the middle of the book of Exodus, we, we have Exodus 20. And, and that's where we find the Ten Commandments. That's where we find these principles for successful living. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the third commandment. Um, and I, I, I kind of want to slap a warning label on this morning's message because as I mention this, you may slip into a thing going, okay, I really could have stayed home this morning because I don't do that. I don't. I don't do that. I know I don't do that. Just hang in there with me because somewhere along the line, this message is going to take a bit of a turn, and I'm, I'm trusting that you hang in long enough for that. So third commandment, Exodus 20 verse 7. <clears throat> it says, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse His name. So that first section is really the command where he says, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. But then he goes on and he, he, he puts a warning label on it himself. And he says, if you don't, there are consequences. And what's the consequences? He says, he says, the Lord will not let you go unpunished 
if you misuse his name. Now, if you and I are honest, we were introduced to this as kids, for the most part. Some of you I know weren't introduced too much as kids, um, and, and that's okay. We, we love you just as much. Um, but the way that most of us were introduced to this as kids, when something like this, and this is the same scripture out of the Message Bible that says this, it says, no using the name of God, your God, in curses or silly banter. God won't put up uh, with the irreverent use of his name. Okay, so whenever we think of, of this command, we think of it in the terms of don't use God's name as a curse word, right? Don't use God's name to vent frustration. And that's really how we grew up with the, um, with the, with the implications surrounding this command. Ultimately, don't use it flippantly. Don't, don't use it as, as less than. And I believe that to this day, there is still a reverence that is needed around God's name desperately. Why? Because he's God. Now, we can, we can say, why is this important? Well, what's in a name? If we think about it, what's in a name? Why is God's name so important? If we just consider the words, what's in a name? If I had to say to you, Bill Gates or um, Warren Buffett, What's the thought that comes to mind? That the best things in life are free, but you can give them to the birds and bees. I want money. Isn't that it? Bump, bump, bump. That's what I want. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay? Money. You think of wealth. You think of riches. Bill Gates, Warren Buffett. That's what we think about. If I had to say Serena Williams, what would you think? Screaming at the champer. I mean, tennis, tennis. You'd think about tennis. If I had to say Valentino Rossi, Mark Marquez, you'd think of MotoGP riders. Okay, got some support in the audience even. Right. If you had to, if I had to say, if I had to say Adolf Hitler, what would you think? Genocide, okay? So there's, there's, there's something connected to a name. There's something connected to a name. The point in case, we've said it many times, that's why to this day we still name our sons Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and our pit bulls Hitler and Caesar and Nero and those sorts of names. Why? Because a name means something. There's something in a name. And God is, his name is, is far more than just a name. It ultimately speaks into his nature, it speaks into his character, it speaks into his reputation, it speaks into his attributes. And we've probably somewhere along the line, you've, you've heard it said, man, that guy's got such a bad name in the industry. Are they talking about the thing that's found in his ID book? No. They're talking about his reputation. Man, that guy's got such a bad name. Now, personally, I think that Quite often, God has such a bad name in the industry. But we'll get to that. All through Scripture, the name of God is synonymous with His character, 
And the Bible has quite a lot to say around his name. And for the sake of time this morning, the, the one that stands out most to me is just in the book of Matthew 6, verse 9, where Jesus is teaching the disciples and he's teaching you and me to pray. And he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And again, it's an odd word that we don't use today, but it really just means holy. Holy is your name. Lord, worthy to be praised is your name. Sacred is your name. And that's what Jesus said about his own father. You see, folks, there is power in the name of God. It's funny, when I prepared this, I didn't get emotional at this part, but but right now uh, it's kind of happening a little. Um, When I think of the power of, of God's name, a very specific moment in my life comes to mind where I got a phone call. We just finished up with a camp and, and I got a phone call to say that a, a friend of ours was, was in hospital. Um, and he, he was, uh, I knew him as Uncle Alan. He was part of the technical department at BMW Motorcycles uh, for South Africa here in Madrid at their head offices. And, and uh, Uncle Alan was, was busy dying in hospital from cancer and uh, got a phone call to say, hey, doesn't look good. Um, please come through. And I can remember jumping on the bike, shooting out to the little company of Mary. And I can remember sitting with him and just visiting with him next to his, his, his bed. And I didn't recognize him. He was just skin and bone. And, and I can remember just chatting with him and just saying, Hey, Uncle Alan, where are you at with Jesus? You know? Where you at? And, and right there that afternoon, probably about four o'clock in the afternoon, I had the privilege to just, to just hear Uncle Alan call on the name of God. Sorry. Um, and, and really just surrender his life right there. Right there. Just, just have a really honest conversation with God and, and ultimately call on the name of God. And, and it was that night at about... Um, that afternoon, Auntie Moira, I don't know if she's here today, but she's been with us ever since. And Auntie Moira told me she walked into the hospital room and he'd been there for weeks. But as she walked into the hospital room, there was something different. Something had changed. The atmosphere in the room had changed completely. She walks in and, and she visits with him. And as she's talking to him, she's like, who is this guy? Like he's a different person from saying goodbye to him this morning to coming in and seeing him this afternoon. It's just, it's a different guy. What's, what's going on? And he, he tells her, he's like, Hey, I I gave my life to Christ this afternoon. No. And, um, it makes me think of the, of, of the words of Paul in Romans 10, 13, where he says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And those words have, have in that moment, took on a whole new meaning for me. It, the, the, the power that actually lies in those words became a reality to me. You see, folks can come and refute God with me, and I'm fine with that. I really don't mind when, when, when people come and challenge my faith. I don't because, you know, you can challenge my theology. You can, you can challenge my belief system, but you can't challenge my experience. You can't challenge the reality of God in my life. 
that you can't challenge. So I don't even think badly of folks who come and challenge my faith. Not at all. They've got their own road to walk and, and I trust that they can find it for themselves. I honestly do. But at the end of the day, the surety that I have in my own life, not because of something I read, but because of something I've experienced, because of someone that I've experienced. You can tell me that my wife doesn't exist and you can even write a thesis on the fact that she doesn't exist. But I'll tell you, you're a liar because I experience her every day. It's the exact same with God, folks. When, when, when I sat there with Uncle Alan and this moment happened and I looked at those, I, I remembered those words that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved and I saw it physically happen with my own eyes right there in front of me, this man, all things that are old, all things become new. You see, Jesus, he makes all things new, even a, a broken down life riddled with cancer. He turns that heart straight to him just by going, Lord, I need you. What a moment. And I went off on a tangent there that isn't in my notes, and I think that's okay. Let's bring it back. So when we misuse the name of God, then, then, then we're not holding his name with reverence. We're not holding his name with honor. We're not holding his name with respect and all of those things that he deserves. No, we, we're treating it as common. And we, we then, that scripture applies, we are using it in vain. But God's name is holy and it's pure and it's sacred. And I've got a ton more to say about that, but I'm going to move on. Um, all right. So, ultimately, that is the one way that when we look at this, we can see the scripture. But I believe that there's a second way that we can look at this command. That there's a second way that we can look at, at, at this command of not taking the Lord's name in vain. And I know most of you were sitting here going, I'm off the hook. I don't use his name in vain. Thank you, Jesus. I'm safe. Yes. So I went and studied the scripture quite a bit, and I've been doing it for close on a year now because someone told me something, and I thought they were lying, and then I went and looked into it and then discovered something for myself. And it's nothing new. I think it's been there for eons. Um, let's have a look at the scripture again. It says this. It says, it'll pop up on the board there. Uh, it'll say, you shall not take, that word's important, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Why did I bold that? So I, I, heard, a, I heard a Jewish guy talking in a debate. Uh, for some reason, I got hooked on debates. Guys, it's called apologetics. So uh, essentially you have one guy with one belief system, another guy with another belief system, and they chat, they talk, they compare notes. And, and, and I can remember watching this thing where this Jewish guy was debating with a, a Christian apologist that I really appreciate. And, and he said some stuff, and when he was done, the Christian apologist agreed. He was like, I agree. You, you're spot on. That's the correct interpretation. And essentially, I went and looked it up. I went and looked it up, and in the original language used here, which was Hebrew, uh, because who got the Ten Commandments? It was Moses, right? And he was a Hebrew. So I'm pretty sure that the tablets weren't written in Mandarin, right? I think we're safe to assume that it was most definitely in 
Hebrew, okay? So the original Hebrew word used there <laughs> isn't take. <laughs> well, it can be translated into take, but the chances are far more likely. If you go and look at all the meanings, they all lead to the word carry. You will not carry the Lord's name in vain. You can flip over for me. The word vain, in vain, just means falsehood. You'll not carry it in falsehood. I actually have notes on this. I should probably tell you my notes on this. Um, so the word, firstly, the first word, take, can be translated as lift, to lift, to bear, to carry. Do you see why I say it leans more to the fact that it talks about carrying something? And then the word in vain just means uh, emptiness, nothingness, or falsehood. If you speak, this is what this guy said. He said, if you speak to any, any Jew who grew up in Jewish culture and you ask them, what's the greatest sin? They will say, to do evil in God's name. That is the greatest sin, to do evil in God's name. Now, I'm not a big fan of a sin ranking system. Um, I, I believe that at the end of the day, sin is sin, and God hates all sin. Um, and he has one or two things to say about certain sins that freak him out a little more than others. Uh, gossip if anyone's taking notes, is right at the top. So we might have to change our ranking system just a little uh, from what we used to. But he's saying within their culture, to do evil in God's name is pretty much the greatest sin, and this is where they get it, is that you will not carry the name of the Lord your God in falsehood. So now it becomes less about what I say, and it becomes far more about how I live. Far less about what I say, but it becomes far more about how I live. Here's my question. Folks, how have we carried God's name? You know, in the Old Testament, he, he spoke about putting his name on his people. Then the New Testament comes along and people who follow Jesus, uh, they were called, you know, they, they were followers of the way. And then from followers of the way, somewhere along the line, they, named, they slapped the name Christian on them. Christ's ones, little Christ's. And today we still carry that name. If we call ourselves followers of Jesus, essentially we are calling ourselves little Christ's. So how have we carried God's name? If you're a believer here this morning and, and you've said yes to following Jesus, and how have we carried God's name? Remember I said that I believe that God has a bad name in the industry. And I'm sure most of you freaked out when I said that. The reason why I say that is because I believe that his marketing campaign's done a really poor job. And I, I've got to put my own hand up for that. I've got to put up my own hand for that. Because how have we carried his name? If you have ever joined a, a motorcycle club, you'll know that by the time you got your patch, you understood very well that you no longer just represented the fun of Madivus. You, you no longer just represented the Yonkers or the Baileys or the Jamesons. No, by the time you received your patch, you represented your fellow biking brothers and your leadership that you now rep 
presented. Isn't that so? CMA folks, you should know that. And in case of CMA and other Christian clubs, you're also representing God because now you've got this big billboard on the back. <laughs> that wherever you go, it's this Christian Motorcyclist Association. Bam. Have we carried that? Have we carried God's name, folks? You see, when we become part of God's family, that means that we have responsibility to represent him well. I think many of us have, have been far too casual in this area, ultimately. Now, we haven't quite realized our responsibility within this. As I said, I've got a lot of notes on this, but I really want to speak to you from my heart. Whenever I think of this, I just think to myself, you know what? There was a day when, when, when Jesus walked this planet and he, he went and called himself 12 men. He called himself 12 men and he said, you come, follow me. And these men came and they followed him and they modeled their lives after Jesus' life. And when he left, he said, now you go and reproduce what I've reproduced in you. You go. Reproduce it in others. And he commissioned us. He commissioned us to, to go and live beyond lives for ourselves. Beyond just for Ramon. This life no longer then belongs to Ramon. No, I've surrendered it to Christ and ultimately I've, I've given him my life to the point where I've committed to represent him well. And I look at the life of Jesus. You go, go read the book of Mark. Wherever you look in the book of Mark, any chapter, I challenge you except the first chapter, from the second chapter onwards, okay? Go read. It says in there, and a crowd formed. And the crowd moved with Jesus. There's always a crowd. Always a crowd. What does that say? Jesus was appealing. There was something about Jesus that attracted people to Jesus. There was something about his message. There was something about his person. You go and look at the first church and first century church through the book of Acts. Their first meeting, 3,000 people turned and followed God. 3,000 people. What does that tell us? That there was something absolutely irresistible about Jesus. There was something absolutely irresistible about his church. Folks, is there something absolutely irresistible about our faith? Is there something absolutely irresistible about his church? And again, church, it's another one of those misconstrued words. It has nothing to do with this building. Again, the original word, ecclesia, means gathering of people. You can't leave this place and go, oh, thank God we've left church. Or whatever you want to say. No, folks, we are the church. When we say yes to Jesus, you and me, we are the church. Are we irresistible? Are we irresistible? And I believe when we carry God's name the way that he's asked us to carry his name, we will be irresistible. I believe that with all my heart. I honestly do. So how do I carry his name? How do I carry his name in the workplace? How do I carry his name with my family, 
How do I carry his name out in, in social settings? How do I carry his name on social media? How do I carry his name on the road? <laughs> How do I carry his name with the poor? How do I carry his name with a toll booth attendant? Or do I actually not carry his name with them at all because I just zip right through with my big patch on the back that says Christian Motorcyclist Association. And then we wonder why God has a bad name in the industry. See, uh, it, it, you may even be sitting here this morning and, and you lost an arm wrestling match. You know what I'm talking about? You didn't want to come. I've been there. You didn't want to come. I spent my, most of my childhood there, uh, growing up in a pastor's home. How many of you know you don't have a choice? You're going to be in church on Sunday. You know? Unless the rapture happened, and for 18 years the rapture didn't happen. So I was in church. But maybe that was you this morning. And, and the reason why you didn't really want to come is because somewhere along the line you got disappointed with God. You got disappointed with God. You thought to yourself, you know what? I don't know about this whole God thing. I really don't. You know, I look at the people who are meant to represent him and they really do a lousy job. So if he's real, if he's real, then why aren't they? Maybe in a different situation where you felt like God never came through for you. But maybe it was because the way you carried his name was in falsehood. I don't know. I have no idea. But I believe that today we sit with a society, with a, with a, with a, 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 a world around us that couldn't give a hoot about God because he's been badly represented. And I can get stuck here today or I can give us hope and move on. So I'm choosing to give us hope this morning and move on because I believe he wants us to represent him well. I, I believe he wants us to carry his name, not with falsehood, not in vain, but with honor. So, how do we live lives that honor his name? This morning, I'm going to take a few minutes and make it practical. I want to share something with you that, 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 is, that has helped me when it comes to just living a life that honors his name. Okay, we're going to do this acapella. I'm going to stand up at the highest so you can hear me. In writing, we have something called target fixation. As we have something called target fixation, what that means is you're riding on a road, you come over a rise, and as you come over a rise, what happens? Right in front of you is a 90-degree bend. And you realize that you have very quickly run out of talent. <laughs> because you're coming into this corner way faster than you actually anticipated to. And there's a nice armco barrier just to help show you exactly where the corner is going. And what happens? We freak out. We get locked on the armco barrier. And what happens? Slap! We hit the armco barrier. To avoid target fixation, we 
come over that same rise, we realize we've still gone too far, too fast, or too short a distance for the, for the speed that we're traveling at to really make massive adjustments. So we hit the brakes, lean into the corner, and where do we look? Through the corner. And then pray. Okay. <laughs> look through the corner, praying. And guess what? We make it. The prayer helped, but also where we looked. Where we looked. That's what got us through the corner. So in life, if we get stuck on the fact that God has been badly represented and just focus there, and maybe we've been a part of that, and, and we get stuck there, guess what? We'll keep representing Him badly. Isn't that a fact? But we can change our focus. We can change our focus. And ultimately, I believe that the best way that we can change our focus to really follow God and represent Him well something called values. We've got them up on the wall there. When it comes to values, I believe that when we set godly values in our life and we keep ourselves accountable to those values, that is when our lives start speaking of God's goodness, His greatness, His love, His care for a dying world. I believe that with all my heart. Why? Because I've seen it. So when it comes to values, you may have your own set of values. Great, nothing wrong with that. Maybe after this, go look at your values again. For me, I went and changed my values. Why? Because we sat as a staff here and we drew up values. And when we were done with those values, I said, you know what? Those values are so much better than the values that I currently have set for myself. So I'm going to speak to you through our values quick but not from a church standpoint. I'm going to speak to you about our values pertaining to my own life. The first value is being found in God. Whenever we talk about being found in God, we always talk about being God-centered. What does that mean? I put God first. I put God first. There's nothing else that comes before God. I put God first. Secondly, Bible-based. What does that mean? That when I make a decision regarding my marriage, regarding my finance, regarding my work, regarding relationships in my life, regarding anything in my life, where do I go to? The Word of God. That's where I go to. I go to the Word of God. That every decision I make is based on His Word. Then thirdly here is being spirit-led. As I read the Word of God to go, Lord, thank you for your Word. Now will your Holy Spirit live this out? How do I make this practical for my daily life? Will you lead me through these processes? So it's being found in God. Being formed in community is my next big value. Within that is being devoted to marriage, family, and relationships. If you look at found in God, God first. If you look at formed in community, my marriage and my family, second. Folks, if, if those are the first two values that you start with, I pray that those are the first two values that you start with. That God will be first in your life. And that your marriage will be second along with the care and the love that you give to your children. Gentlemen, that is your household. That is your household. Don't let anyone talk about your, your extended family as your household. No. Your primary responsibility is your household. Your wife your kids. 
That was for free. The second thing is, uh, with informing community, is committed to discipleship. I've made sure that I have older men, when I say older men, more mature men in the faith than what I am, speaking into my life, holding me to account as to what I do, what I say. And I find this incredibly important. Why? Because I saw Jesus model it. But at the same time, I don't just allow for the input. There needs to be an outflow. So I go and I've, I've found, I've found um, men that are, are, are not as mature as myself. I'm, I'm maybe a couple steps ahead of them in the faith. And I've gone and I've invested my, lives into them, my life into theirs. Invested into a discipleship process. It has transformed my life. Up until about six years ago, this was not a part of my life. Then to be a person of integrity, to be a servant leader, that's how Jesus led. They didn't give him a bulky, they didn't give him a, a badge, and then told people to follow him. No, he said, come follow me, and he did life with the men. He did life with the men. He served them, we see we see moments where he's washing his feet, uh, washing their feet. He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but came to serve and to lay down his life as a ransom for many. Being a servant leader. The third big block there is being fruitful in this world. Recognizing that everyone is valuable. You see, folks, when everyone is valuable, will use things and will love people. But when people aren't valuable, will use people and will love things. That's not God's heart for you. That's not God's heart for me. And that's not God's heart for the people that He's put in our lives. Sorry that I'm screaming, but it's the only way that I'm hoping you guys can actually hear me out there. Are we okay there, Victor? You can hear. Okay. Being relevant to our times, I recognize that even in what we do, the message can never change, but the method has to. We have to remain relevant. Then, and this is one of the most important values for my own life, and I pray that you adopt it, is being a godly influence in this world. You will hear, whenever I pray, whenever I end the service, what are the words that I use? I pray, Lord, this week, may we go out into the marketplace and be an accurate representation of who you are. Be an accurate representation of who you are. Folks, that is one of the greatest desires of my life. That when people look at me, They'll look past Ramon. Why? Because I'm a human being. I have flaws, warts and all. In fact, if you're not sure, come hang out with me for 10 minutes. Or ask my wife. She gets to see the good, the bad and the ugly. She'll tell you there's far more good. I think she's just being nice. But at the end of the day, my desire is that Lord, May people be able to look past Ramon and may they see Jesus in me. Don't connect with the Ramon in Ramon. Connect with the Jesus in Ramon. Amen. And I believe that that's what we're talking about here, folks. 
That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about living authentic lives, not plastic lives. I can't stand plastic Christians. I'm just straight with you. The thing's not recording now, so I can say whatever I want. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Cut that. <laughs> but I do. I can't stand plastic Christians. Why can't I stand plastic Christians? Because you can see right through it. You can see right You know why? Because when life happens, when hard times come, all that porcelain breaks. But when there's a reality of Christ in your life, then it doesn't matter what life throws at you. Because greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. And when we live those authentic lives, we carry God's name with honor. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what you want in this life? Folks, there's nothing more that I want in this life than to end this, step out into eternity, and have my Heavenly Father look at me and say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. This is my boy. This is my boy, and in him, I'm well pleased. I'm well pleased. How about you today? Have we carried God's name? Have we carried God's name? Have we carried his name in a, in a way that leaves a wake of destruction behind us, that leaves relationships tattered and shredded, that leaves colleagues that won't touch church with a 10-foot pole? Why? Because, you know, I used to work with a Christian. You know that statement. I won't touch Christian businessmen with a 10-foot pole. Why? Because I once did business with a Christian. Why? Because God's name was carried in vain. I don't want to be that guy. And, and I, I've got a very strong feeling that you don't want to be that person either. So folks, in our daily lives, take the time. Go write up core values for yourself. Values that when you look at them, you can go... If I live this, this is a life that honors God. Have I got all of my values down, packed, and ready, and right, and all good to go? Heck no. I'd be in heaven if that was the truth. Let's be honest. I'd be dead. That's the perfect person to, to follow. Why is the dead person the perfect person to follow? Because I can't screw up anymore. But I'm human. So I haven't, I haven't attained these things yet. But I keep trying. I keep relying on God's power in me, His Holy Spirit. I keep saying, Lord, may I live this life. And folks, He comes and it says He gives grace to the humble. He helps us in those moments. I want to be that man who carries God's name. The Apostle Peter, Peter said in 1 Peter 5 verse 3, he said, don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says this, 
he, Jesus, we're talking about Jesus, uh, he then spent time with James and the rest of those he commissioned to represent him. Jesus spent time with those that he commissioned to represent. How much time do we spend with Jesus? How much time do we spend in his presence, catching his heart for the people around us? Make it like a part of your core values, folks, to put God first. Spend time. Let's land this thing. Folks, I believe that it's time for you and for me to maybe just do a good recon of our own lives and just go, Lord, I'm tired of living for me. I'm tired of living for me. I want to live a life that carries your name with honor. And this morning, this morning, I trust it right there. We've got no music. We've got nothing. It's you and Jesus right now. Right there in your seat. Lord, I want to live a life that carries your name with honor. I want to live a life that carries your name with honor. And Father God, as folks are sitting in their seats right now, Lord, I, I thank you. That as they just do business with you, Lord, Lord, recognizing that, 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 and even for myself, Lord, I put my own hand up here and I say, Lord, there have been times where I have represented you badly. Lord, I don't want to be the reason that someone says no to you. Lord, I, I, it's time to flip that script, Lord. It's time to flip that life around. Lord, I, I want to start being the person that draws men to you. Lord, I, I, I want to be that person that where your word says that it's your kindness that leads us to repentance, Lord. May that kindness be seen through me, Lord. May that love and care for my, for, for my fellow man be seen through this life. Lord, may I start carrying this life with honor, Lord. Lord, when there's that shady business deal that, that I could get my hands on that might apparently change my finances quite dramatically, but Lord, it'll put you in a bad light, Lord. Lord, give me the courage to say no. Lord, give me the courage to say no and walk away from that. May I honor you, and as I honor you, I thank you that you honor my decisions. And you bring breakthrough that I could not even begin to imagine. Father God, may my family, may my home, Lord, may it be a home that carries your name well. Within my marriage, within my kids, may we be that city shining on a hill. Not that we've got it perfect or any of that, Lord, but that when people look at us, they go, those are lives sold out. I want to be around something they got that I need. Father God, as folks have just sat in their chairs and done business with you, Lord, I thank you that this week, through your Holy Spirit, that you come and give us the grace that we need. That time period where your Holy Spirit comes and prompts us consistently, Lord, just to go, hey, is this going to represent me well? Is this going to represent me well?
make it a part of our DNA, Lord, not just a message that we heard on Sunday. Father God, that it becomes a part of us. Lord, we love you. Lord, these lives are yours. Lord, may these lives carry your name with honor. And we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.